Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Biohacking Beauty Podcast, where we explore the cutting-edge advancements in medicine and science that will revolutionize our skin health. I'm your host, Amitai Eschel, and today we have a very special guest joining us. In this episode, I'm thrilled to welcome a very good friend and uh, inspiration and the renowned Dr. Scott Sher, which he is an expert in the field of regenerative and hyperbaric medicine. With a passion for combining the best of both conventional and alternative treatments, Dr. Sher is dedicated to optimizing human health and performance with a particular focus on hyperbarics and optimal performance and health. We are really going to focus today on skin wellness and skin health, but you'll see how both of these worlds connect. Dr. Sher has an impressive academic background, which includes graduating summa cum laude from UCLA as an undergraduate and magna cum laude with alpha omega alpha distinction from the University of Maryland Medical School in Baltimore. With years of experience working with top-tier athletes, military personnel, and patients suffering from various medical conditions, a real leading authority in hyperbaric oxygen therapy, a cutting-edge treatment that's been making waves in the medical community, the longevity community, anti-aging, etc. So I'm very excited to have uh, Dr. Sher on. A few things that you will be able to take away from this conversation is what is hyperbaric oxygen therapy? How is it beneficial for us? What it can help us with as far as its function? We're going to dive into skin health and longevity and optimization using hyperbaric oxygen therapy and what can go together with it. And we are going to also dive into specific protocols that you can implement or that you can start, you know, the journey of exploring that that avenue as far as optimizing your skin health and appearance. Before we dive into our conversation today, I first want to share a review from one of our valued biohacking beauty listeners. So this is from Sarah Me One saying, as a longtime skincare enthusiast and licensed esthetician for almost two decades, this podcast is now one of my favorites. Biohacking and beauty are two of my passions, and I'm so happy to have discovered this podcast combining the best of both worlds in an interesting and informative way. Highly recommend. Thank you very much. If you haven't done so already, we would greatly appreciate it if you could take two seconds out of your day to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Even a one-word review would be amazing. Your rating and reviews greatly help with the growth of this podcast, which helps us educate more people and get the information that you love to more people and help them change your life, change their skin, etc. Okay, now let's get into the conversation with Dr. Scott Sher. All right, Scott, uh, welcome to the podcast. You're the first returning guest to the podcast. So. Oh, wow. That's quite a privilege. I'm so yeah. excited to be here, man. Thanks for having me again. Absolutely. And obviously, we had a very, very interesting conversation last time. And since you are a man of many uh, 
knowledge bases, if you would, or talents, you know, in, talents, interests. I felt compelled to, to invite you again to talk about something that obviously is blowing up right now in the world in general, which is hyperbaric oxygen therapy. <laughs> careful with that pun, man. <laughs> careful, careful with the blowing up analogy. All right. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah. yes. <laughs> so, you know, tell me a little bit about your background and hyperbaric oxygen therapy specifically. Yeah, sure. So I went to medical school almost 13 years ago now, actually longer. I was like 25 years. It's been crazy. Okay. Anyway, it's been a long time, but I really knew before I went to medical school that I wanted to do something out of the box. I didn't want to do something that was kind of more conventional standard of care. And this is because I grew up with the son, a son of, of a chiropractor, uh, somebody mm -hmm. that was very out of the box. And so when I was in medical school, I was interested in all the different types of residencies you can get into to make a lot of money on some level. But at the same time, I was like, really wanted to kind of stick with figuring out how I could, as I like to say, bridge the chasm between alternative and conventional medicine. At that point, there was no such thing as functional medicine. Really, it was just getting started. Integrative yeah. medicine wasn't, really wasn't a thing. So I, did, I ended up doing an internal medicine residency. And in internal medicine residency, you rotate doing a number of things. But it, I really found that my first experience with hyperbaric therapy when I was in medical school was actually kind of what allowed me to think about how best to kind of formulate my, my path. Although, you know, you don't really formulate these things that kind of formulate you as you kind of go yeah. through them. But I, I was experiencing, uh, in a trauma situation, how hyperbaric therapy could be very helpful when I was in medical school, we would take a uh, call in this trauma center every three nights for 30 hours. And this is a two week rotation. So it was pretty intense. And I got to see some people do this, some amazing healing inside the hyperbaric chambers. I saw that people would have carbon monoxide poisoning beyond ventilators and they'd walk out of the chamber. So they'd be extubated wow. in the chamber itself. I saw burns, some burns. It was mostly sent to another facility, but some burns. I saw terrible infections. I saw wounds. I saw lots of things that we didn't think that people were going to survive or really save their limbs. And you could save their limbs going inside of a hyperbaric chamber. Wow. And so when I realized what it could do uh, in acute setting, I really did a lot of research at that time to see what it could what it could help outside of that. And I found that outside the US actually, and in Israel specifically, as time went on, that a lot of research was happening that showed that hyperbaric therapy could be very helpful for a lot of different conditions, both neurologic, systemic, uh, inflammatory, et cetera. And it all really comes down to the basic physiology of what's happening inside of a chamber, which I'm happy to describe if you'd like. Yes, that's kind of where I wanted to start this conversation, especially because you have now bridged a huge chasm between anything that is really has a, let's say, a an acute medical need for hyperbarics and obviously what, what a layman is going to care about, which is kind of health optimization. So what's going on there inside a chamber, you know? Easy. It's really simple. It's, and this is why I actually really liked it when I was in medical school too, mm -hmm. is because it was just very simple. It's just the combination of increased atmospheric pressure and increased inspired oxygen. And mm -hmm. so we all know oxygen pretty well. Oxygen is what we breathe in the air. Here in Colorado, I have about 16% oxygen in the air that I'm breathing. In At sea level where you are, it is at 21%. So typically that's enough oxygen to get into our body to maintain our physiologic function. If anybody's had a pulse ox before on their finger, which most people have after COVID or during COVID, they know that th that measures something like 95 or 100%. And that's measuring how many sites on your red blood cells are carrying oxygen to your body. And so red blood cells are the, typically the cells that carry oxygen. And they have these molecules on them called hemoglobin. And hemoglobin is what attaches to the oxygen molecules. And there's 
actually 250 hemoglobin molecules per red blood cell. So you can carry wow. 1 billion oxygen molecules per red blood cell, which is pretty cool actually. So that all that oxygen is typically attached to your red blood cells and it is being carried to maintain your physiologic function going everywhere you need it to. And it's obviously in a blood vascular system going in, going in arteries and then going in smaller arteries and then going in capillaries and going in veins and then back to your heart and to your lungs and et cetera, et cetera. So typically that's how our oxygen is carried. And there are ways to increase your oxygen carrying capacity. Typically, the way we typically would do this is by increasing the number of red blood cells in circulation. And we do this a couple different ways. You can do this by going altitude training. So if you come to Colorado and you go to 16% oxygen and you're used to 21%, your body is going to increase something called epigen, which is a hormone that stimulates the production of red blood cells. You can also give yourself a transfusion. If you transfuse yourself blood, you're going to have more red blood cells and you can have more oxygen carrying capacity. So if you're a cyclist like Lance Armstrong, you're going to be doing these kinds of things and you're trying to increase your oxygen carrying capacity. And you're probably also going to inject some EPO. EPO. Yes, exactly. Inject the EPO directly. <laughs> so you don't have to go altitude training. You can just inject the drug itself. And this is used in, in people with kidney disease actually as a medical treatment because EPO is produced by the kidneys. If your kidneys don't work well, then you have to give your people EPO so that they can make red blood cells. Mm -hmm. So these are all ways you can increase oxygen carrying capacity. However, there's another way, and that's by increasing atmospheric pressure. And atmospheric pressure at sea level, we classify as what we call 1ATA. Okay, that's mm -hmm. just a nomenclature kind of thing. But if you're 33 feet below the sea, all that water above you is exerting a, a significant amount of pressure. We all know this because if you pick up a bucket of water, for most of us, maybe not you, Amitai, but for most of us, it's heavy, right? <laughs> so, um, and for, for me, it's, it's pretty heavy. So, and so anyway, so you know that it's heavy, right? So that heaviness is what we're actually simulating inside of a hyperbaric chamber. And it's that heaviness that changes your physiology. So there's only one physics law that I'll talk about today. There's others in, in hyperbaric medicine, but the most important is something called Henry's law. And that law states that the more pressure you put on a gas, the more of that gas is going to go from a gaseous form to a liquid form. So what happens is that you put somebody in a hyperbaric environment, you pressurize it and you increase inspired oxygen. You can increase it to hundred percent as well. This caveat to that is if you didn't have pressure, you increase to 100% oxygen without pressure, you're only going to have the number of red blood cells in circulation to carry oxygen. So what happens with pressure though, is that you drive it into the liquid or the plasma of your bloodstream. And the liquid of your bloodstream has very little oxygen in it at sea level at baseline. And we can increase that amount to about 12 times or 1200% wow. as a result of the pressure at that we're giving you at simulating the pressure you feel under a certain amount of seawater. So that's how hyperbaric therapy works. You have a combination of increased inspired oxygen. So typically we have increased it from 21 to hundred percent or close to it. And then we increase the, the atmospheric pressure that your body is under. And so your whole body has to go into the chamber and you're actually increasing the amount of pressure in your lungs themselves as a result of being under pressure. And your lungs will then change their physiology and then drive more oxygen in the plasma or the liquid of your bloodstream. And as a result of all that oxygen circulation, that's where all the magic happens really. And that's really what the, the main driver of changes in physiology are, is that extra oxygen and a whole bunch of things happen as a result of that. Mm -hmm. So it's really, really cool. So basically what we're doing is if I try to, you know, create a heuristic is is basically putting a turbocharger in an engine where it could you know push more air gas into the engine and then kind of use more fuel if you would yeah that's a great way to think about it i haven't thought about that particular you must like cars you like your car yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, you're a car guy. So I'm, I'm not a car guy, but I do like turbos. So who doesn't like a turbo? So it's the same kind of idea. We call it super saturation or I can call it super turbo, supercharged, the amount of oxygen you have in circulation. And we all know, I think that oxygen is the main reason why we can make a significant amount of energy in our body called ATP. Without mm-hmm. oxygen, we can't live for very long. With less oxygen, our body has various ways of trying to increase the amount of oxygen that gets to various tissues. And this is something called the oxygen dissociation curve, which we don't need to get into, but it's very interesting to me uh, how this all works. But in essence, when you have more oxygen in circulation, you're going to make more energy. You're also going to make more products of energy metabolism. This is something called reactive oxygen species, which you know very well, uh, Amite already. So it's these are okay, actually, in small doses, because what reactive oxygen species are going to do is create an antioxidant response, and they're also going to cause a signaling response as well. However, if your system is not ready for such things, because you're already under a lot of stress, inflammation, you don't have antioxidant reserve, this can be challenging. And so for me, this always comes back to understanding people's physiology and understanding you know, where people are when they get started. And this is how I have a whole framework that I use that's based on a nonprofit organization's ideas of health optimization and something called health optimization medicine and practice. But mm-hmm. just leave that aside for a minute. We can get back to that. But the idea really is that what's happening when you go into a chamber is basically four or five things. Okay. The first thing that happens is that you're reversing low oxygen states. Okay. So you're getting more oxygen to tissue. So if you had an acute trauma, like I saw limbs, partial amputations, I saw people with with various types of traumatic injuries and you can get them into the chamber and they're going to save tissue as a result of getting more oxygen in there. This is something, and there's been research in in stroke, acute stroke, acute heart attack, acute traumatic brain injuries. There's a new study that's going on right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Spinal cord injuries, acute trauma, hyperbaric therapy is going to help reoxygenate tissue faster. And so you're going to potentially save tissue from dying outside of maybe where blood vessels were, were severed or wherever, and there's not enough blood getting to tissue to help, help keep it alive. Like if you have a stroke, for example, you have a blockage of a blood vessel and behind that blockage, you're going to not have any blood flow. And then all that tissue behind that blockage is going to start dying very fast. Mm-hmm. However, if you can get into a hyperbaric chamber, you can get oxygen infused into the plasma. The plasma can go further into the tissue because it can diffuse out further. So when you think about diffusion out of a blood vessel, so you have a certain amount of diffusion capacity, and you can increase that diffusion capacity significantly in a chamber up to about four times or so. So wow. it's uh, it's pretty cool. So anyway, so you have the reversing of low oxygen states. Okay. So that's happening immediately. And then you have the reversing or decreasing of inflammation and swelling. If you have a broken blood vessel, it's causing leakage of tissue. It's causing swelling. It's going to decrease the size of that blood vessel a little bit. It's going to constrict down and you're going to prevent a lot of swelling. And then the inflammation goes down. You're also going to have immediately, you're going to have a decrease in the, uh, you have actually an increase, I'm sorry, in stem cell response. So your stem cells are going to start getting stimulated in your bone marrow where they're made and also in your in the various tissues that they're kind of hanging out to help make new tissue if needed as well. These are called progenitor cells. Mm-hmm. And then you also have, because it's a high oxygen environment, you're also having any bugs that do not like high oxygen environments are also not going to like a high oxygen stimulus. And so you can have bugs that are like, for example, I saw people with flesh-eating bacteria. This is called wow. necrotizing fasci- fasciitis. And this is like, this is something you'll see on the news and you'll see people with their limbs cut off and like black black limbs and it's it's terrible. But you can actually prevent a lot of that from happening if you get them into a hyperbaric chamber. And in addition to all that, you're also having a, an increase in blood flow into tissue. Even though we're, we're constricting down a little bit, we're actually flowing in more because of that plasma oxygenation. 
And we're also having lymphatic flow increase as well. So because it's, we think that hyperbaric therapy is increasing something called easy water, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Yeah. This is a concept from Gerald Pollack, the idea of basically how we're polarizing, how blood vessels have polar, polarization of water around the, the membranes itself. And as a result, you have more flow through the membranes at the same time as a result. So anyway, more flow in, more flow out. So this is all happening immediately when you go into the chamber, like your first treatment. But the beauty of hyperbaric therapy is not only just what happens immediately, it's what happens over the long term of what we call a hyperbaric protocol. And this is called a shift in your epigenetic expression of various genes that are responsible for growth, responsible for inflammation. This is how, and I think everybody knows epigenetics, at least to some degree now, but the idea here is that we have genes that are on our DNA that don't change. But what changes is the expression of these genes as a result of various types of environmental stimuli. So mm -hmm. as a result of these environmental stimuli, you can either express certain genes more or less. And so what hyperbaric therapy does is it modulates at least 8,000 different genes that are responsible for growth, for decreasing inflammation. And so to run down my list again, you have, this all relates to the skin too, by the way. So if you have if you're having reverse low oxygen states in the, in immediately, you're also having it over the long term because you're increasing something called angiogenesis or mm -hmm. the formation of new blood vessels in areas of, of injury, degeneration, inflammation, infection, et cetera. You also have the ability to decrease inflammation over the long term because you're downregulating various cytokines and inflammatory markers like interleukins and TNF-alpha and others that are responsible for inflammation. We know that hyperbaric therapy, at least in some studies, is as powerful as a steroid at decreasing inflammation. So pretty wow. significant. So, and it's been used in that way in various types of conditions. And then you have stem cells that are getting released and these stem cells start maturing into the various types of cells that are required. This is the whole like optimizing of the wound healing process. So you're bringing the immune system there immediately. And then you're also, that's the one I forgot, the also the acutely hyperbaric therapy optimizes the immune system response. And then over the long term, it helps with wound healing because it helps clean up the, the, the areas of damage, infection, et cetera. And yeah, and th those are the main things. So that, and you're basically shifting the response to a growth response and a decreased inflammatory response. And I like to, I like to call it like you're building the scaffolding of a building. Like mm -hmm. You don't have to have the scaffolding all built up. And so you can sort of build the scaffolding from the ground up. And then as a result of that, you regenerate tissue. So you have the acute reasons why hyperbaric therapy works and you have like the long-term benefits of a hyperbaric protocol. Interesting. Yeah, it's it's a good way to think about it as far as scaffolding. Yeah. I think of it more maybe like a uh, like a production plant that knows kind of what it needs to do, right? It has the information of what it needs to do, but you br basically bring it way more employees and way more building supplies. So it can, you know, not only can do the same thing that's supposed to do faster it now has like contingency plans like oh if we have enough plan you know material and enough employees we can also do this and that and, and right. clean around and and whatever that is and uh that's... fire maybe people who don't work that well that's like <laughs> yeah so kill cells or senescent cells so this exactly. is something so this is you make a couple of good points i think the first point that you make before firing employees is that do you have the machinery and the capacity to make energy effectively do you have the machinery and capacity to balance out the oxidative stress of being in a hyperbaric environment? And so there's different hyperbaric environments. There's mild units that go to mild pressures like 10 feet of seawater. These are chambers that are called soft chambers you can get in your house. That's different than going into a two atmosphere or a 2.4 atmosphere chamber, which is a medical grade chamber that's going to cause a significant amount more oxidative stress. So mm -hmm. my first sort of my, my first question always is, is this an acute issue or is this a chronic issue? If it's an acute issue, we get them in the chamber, we can support them, et cetera. We can do a bunch of things. But in general, if it's more of a chronic issue, like a long-term goal, 
like I want to have nicer skin or I mm-hmm. want to not have dementia because my brain is going, or it could be anything across the spectrum of more chronic related long-term optimization. So even anti-aging, et cetera, like then you want to think about like, what's the machinery under the hood before you really start putting them in a chamber? Because I've gotten into trouble over the years where I haven't seen people get as, as improve as much as I thought they would improve or mm-hmm. even have some deterioration in the chamber, especially with chronic inflammation, autoimmunity, chronic infection. It can really be very difficult for that machinery to, to rev up and also to be able to, to neutralize the, the oxidative load. So it's, it's important. I mean, some people just need a little bit of, like you're talking about, get the power plant working a little bit better, and then all of a sudden, like their mitochondria functioning better. You know, that's what we're talking about here, like mitochondrial optimization, really. Mm-hmm. And so if their mitochondria are functioning better, then they're going to do better and feel better. But it's a bit of a it's a bit of a dance because some people are going to do well in that capacity, but others may not. And so I got disinvited actually from speaking at a hyperbaric conference because my title of my conference was my, uh, my lecture at the conference was please do not put them in the chamber. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And because again, it's like you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? So um, it's, it's the same deal with anybody that has a particular therapy that they care about. This well, is kind of, Yeah. Good. Well, I mean, before we like dive into skin specific or longevity specific yeah. uh, discussion, I do want to get into what happens when we get out of this chamber. Like you hear a lot, the phrase, most benefits are happening when you get out of the chamber more and more. But before that, I, I'll just, you know, I'll point that obviously we had a whole podcast about methylene blue before. Sure. Sure. And it seems to be like the perfect combination for that long-term, let's say that long-term uh, health optimization uh, protocol for hyperbarics. Was that something that got you interested in methylene blue to begin with? Or is it, you know, how do you see that? Uh, it, was a, it was a beautiful synchronicity, really, because the companies are very separate. The transcriptions company making methylene blue and starting in 2020, this is many years after me getting involved in hyperbaric medicine. And the methylene blue products were the brainchild of Dr. Ted from our team, who's one of the smartest people on the planet and has known about methylene blue forever. But the beautiful synchronicity for me has been that I have been able to combine these things because methylene blue is a fantastic mitochondrial optimizer. Mm -hmm. And then it can support mitochondria, especially in people that have a lot of ongoing inflammation, chronic infection, autoimmunity, and I can help support their system while we're also giving them oxygen to help optimize the system by decreasing inflammation and angiogenesis and so new blood vessels and rebuilding that scaffolding. So it gives you more, more employees maybe of that power plant that you were talking about before yeah. that we don't have to fire. But yeah, I think it's, it's a fantastic combination when used appropriately. And some people in like in more optimized people, I tend to use it as a recovery tool. So it, I don't tend to use it before the chamber. I tend to want them to get the oxidative stress of being in the chamber. And then kind of like you would use cold therapy. You don't want to use cold right after exercise. I like to use, so hyperbaric therapy is also a hormetic stress. It's similar yeah. to exercise in this capacity. So I like to wait two to three hours for people to use their methylene blue after exercise for that reason. But my, my power pack combo though, is typically methylene blue, red light therapy, then go into the hyperbaric chamber because you're basically revving up mitochondrial function. This is really good also for some of the milder pressures. And and when you're looking for neurologic optimization, jet lag recovery. So I think it might be helpful just before we go to skin, just to kind of give a sense of what the indications for hyperbaric therapy might be, and then giving you uh, just, and then we can kind of roll into there. But I think the deal here is that 
there is insurance coverage in the United States for about 14 different indications for hyperbaric therapy. Most of these are wound related. And I've always said, if there's a wound, hyperbaric therapy can help it heal. This doesn't matter if it's your big toe, it's your face, it's your skin, it's internal. It doesn't matter because all about, it's all about increasing oxygen tension. Yeah. And when you do that, you rev up the whole body's healing process. Okay. So diabetic foot ulcers, radiation injury from cancer treatment. So you've had radiation as a cancer treatment, and then you're using hyperbaric therapy as a scaffold builder to help scaffold builder, excuse me, to help rebuild that tissue. Also using it in chronic bone infections, in sudden hearing loss, which is a very rare but very terrible condition where people lose their hearing or lose most of their hearing and they can get it back with hyperbaric therapy. There's also flaps and grafts in plastic surgery. And so people that have gotten plastic surgery and they got a graft on their face, if they've had breast cancer or something like that, or, or they've had uh, head and neck cancer, they can get flaps on their breast or on their head and neck. And those, if they look like they're not going to work so well, can do very well in, in a hyperbaric environment. But where I spend most of my time, as you know, I, I think Amitai is that in the world of optimal performance and mm -hmm. also in the world of outside the insurance system. And so here we have about 50 to 100 indications where hyperbaric therapy can ex be extremely helpful. And the main ones, just to kind of rattle them off, and we can talk more about any of these if you'd like, uh, but is things like Lyme disease, uh, chronic infections in general, autoimmunity, uh, traumatic brain injuries, stroke. What else? Uh, vascular injuries. Um, long COVID. Yeah. So working a lot, in a lot of patients with long COVID as well. And, and this is again, related to what's happening with physiology inside the chamber. But the key with a lot of all these additional, these conditions that I'm describing here is that almost always it's a better idea to start off with a framework that's really optimizing health rather than treating the, the disease itself in mm -hmm. the hyperbaric chamber, because we can sometimes, or treating the condition or the, the goal and we're doing a lot of work also in regenerative therapy. So like in combination with PRP, with stem cells, with other types of uh, regenerative products, and then a lot of work in the reverse aging optimization. And so this is really where I focus a lot of my time. And then we know that from some of the work that's been done at Asaf Arafe Hospital in mm -hmm. Tel, Aviv, Tel Aviv, they've done a lot of work on senescent cells and telomere length. And senescent cells are these cells that build up everywhere, including your skin, that cause, these are called zombie cells that don't mm -hmm. divide and they can cause degeneration, inflammation. This is when we were talking about earlier, the idea of killing off, not killing off, of firing the people in, the, in the, the employees that don't work well. And these are your senescent cells, right? So we want these to go away. And so hyperbaric therapy seems to decrease senescent cells. And it seems like there one study that was done decreased them by 30%, which is pretty significant and increased telomere length about 20%. So wow. there's some controversy around telomere length and if that's always a good thing to increase, but mm -hmm. in general, uh, we think these are pretty good harbingers of, of good, har har positive signs, harbingers of bad mm -hmm. things, positive things. But also they did, they did some studies looking at vascularization of the brain. So having a 65 year olds go into the chamber for a number of sessions and then afterwards, before and after check their brains and the brains get revascularized. My favorite slide to show during my lectures is a, what's called a functional MRI, which basically shows blood flow of the penis, because you can see a before and after of the penis. This is how they get all the guys to sign up in Israel, as you know, yeah, probably surprised. That's called, I think if the gut is the second brain, that's called the first brain, right? There you go. In Israel, especially. So, and, <laughs> um, so that's how they get all the guys to sign up and they, they publish a study that it's as, as powerful pretty much as Viagra as wow. increasing our erections, although Viagra works faster <laughs> in the sense that. Um, one thing I haven't mentioned is that hyperbaric protocols are typically longer in the sense if you're trying to shift those epigenetics that I was describing before, what that means is that you're really 
looking at hyperbaric protocols about 20 sessions or more. These sessions are done five days a week for that period of time. So you're talking about a month to six weeks to eight weeks to see these shifts in epigenetics be more solidified. But in general, the acute things happen over the first couple of treatments. But mm-hmm. if you're looking for long-term healing, long-term optimization, long-term protocols are typically necessary. Understood. I wanted to take a quick break from today's episode to chat with you about our Young Goose skincare products and our special offer for podcast listeners only. Our products provide you with skin regenerative therapy that corrects the cellular damage that is accumulated over time and aims to lower the functional age of the skin. If you're a first-time Young Goose customer, we are offering the listeners of this podcast 20% off their first order by using the promo code PODCAST20 during checkout. If you are a longtime user and have already tried our products, we highly appreciate you coming back, coming back to this podcast and listening to us, and also coming back and using our products. And we would like to offer you 10% off with the promo code PODCAST10. Okay, so let's let's talk for a second about what happens when you get out of the chamber. Because as we said, a lot of people are saying, you know, that's where the real benefits are happening. There are some, again, we're talking about hormesis or or stress that drives positive results. That's another part of it, right? So so what's going on there as far as as far as the, the body, the physiological effects? So when you get out of a chamber, you have a, a pretty sweet spot right there because what you've just done, no matter what type, type of chamber you've used, you've used a mild unit or a systemic unit or like a medical grade unit, you're going to get more hyper, more oxygen in circulation. So I said up to 1200% in a mild unit, like a soft-sided shell, like the one I have in my house, it's probably with oxygen around 400% more. And then you have maybe 600% depending on the setup. And then you have, that's about six times more oxygen in circulation. And then you have at the medical grade side, you have 1200% more. Okay. And just to give a delineation there, the, the mild units are more for neurologic optimization, biohacking, optimal performance, recovery, jet lag, immune system optimization. I have all these protocols that I've developed for all this, but, and we can talk about that more later, but the, the systemic units are more for systemic optimization. So full body optimization, full body anti-inflammation, angiogenesis, new, things like that. So, but so that's just a little bit of a de- delineation. And most of the studies on reverse aging have been done at the, in the medical grade units at the deeper pressures, for example. Yeah. But when you get out of the chamber, you have the sweet spot where you have about 30 minutes or so where you have more oxygen in circulation. So as a result of that, you can leverage that oxygen in various ways. You can leverage that by, and this is what I've done over the years, Amitai, is that I've figured out ways to really have a better framework for understanding hyperbaric therapy. It's not just about going into the chamber. It's what you're doing before, during, and after that really mm-hmm. ma- matters. And so there's not a whole lot you can do during, but depending on the chamber, if you have a big chamber, for example, you can, you can do lots of different things in the chamber. If it's a small chamber, maybe not so much. If you have a mild unit, you can actually bring things inside the chamber as well to work with. So I'll bring my cupping devices. I'll bring my, my massage gun. I'll, I'll bring various kinds of things, meditation, but afterwards you're going to be oxygenated. And so you can use that oxygen to do more work. So if you're uh, for example, if you've had an injury, you can go and do physical therapy after you get out of the hyperbaric chambers, you have more oxygen in circulation. So it's going to go further into your brain and increase neuroplasticity, we think. Mm-hmm. And so you can leverage it that way. You can also leverage it to do more exercise. So you're going to have more aerobic capacity 
more oxygen carrying capacity for about 30 minutes after you get out of the chamber, up to about an hour. So I've always had these ideas of cyclists and others bring hyperbaric therapy, bring the chambers to the races and then get out and, and actually start doing their races. But in practice, that's much harder for them to do because it's difficult to get out of a chamber and immediately go to a race. But yeah. in general, you can do these things at home. So you can, if you have a chamber at the house, you can actually uh, go into the chamber and then do, go do your workout. You will have more aerobic capacity. Go on the bike if you, if you do bike exercise or whatever it might be. So there might be some reasons why you don't want to do that, especially if you're doing hypoxic training and things. And there's ways to integrate hypoxic training with hyperbaric therapy too, but this is probably more complicated and more in-depth than we need to go. But I, I'm working on various hypoxic, hyperoxic kinds of uh, programs as well for people to kind of really leverage the oxygen when they're in the chamber, especially if they have a mild unit and they're not going to deeper pressures. Uh, you want to try to simulate the deeper pressures in your mild unit that you have in your house, which is something that I will do. You can do some hypoxic training. You can do blood flow restriction. You can do various other kinds of things to help with a more of a hypoxic stimulus. And so I'm getting, I'm getting off on a tangent. I'm sorry, <laughs> but, uh, no, but you can increase, you can increase the amount of oxygen in circulation even more. So if you stimulate the, the body to want more oxygen before you go in, mm -hmm. and then the same thing happens on the other end, you can stimulate the system to have more aerobic capacity in, in various kinds of things that you want to do. Yeah. Interesting. So that's fascinating as far as, as uh, stacking, if you would, different protocols. So talking about the skin specifically, and, and that is something that I believe it would make perfect sense to stack different modalities because you were talking right. about wound healing. Really, a lot of what we're doing in the skin is supporting repair that we have triggered by you know, fill in the blank, lasers, IPL, at home, microneedling, peels, whatever that is. So is that something that there is benefit in, in combining the two? Yeah, and there's no doubt about it. I mean, for the exact reasons that you just mentioned, is in the sense that what we're really doing in the chamber is we're wound healing, right? And so mm -hmm. most of the things that happen to our skin over time are related to wounds and degeneration. And we also have some pretty good studies, actually, that hyperbaric therapy can be used for specific skin conditions like eczema. And why would that be? Because it's, it's, it's an inflammatory condition, right? So if you're, if you're decreasing inflammatory skin conditions by getting into the hyperbaric environment, the skin is going to look better. And not only are we doing that, we're also rebuilding skin because we're actually rebuilding collagen. There's pretty good studies on collagen being, it's a very oxygen poor type of tissue, mm -hmm. but it does respond to high levels of oxygen and helping with collagen deposition. So some good studies, both on the acute side and wound healing and diabetics, but also in, in things like grafts and flaps and other kinds of things that have been well described in the hyperbaric literature, how hyperbaric therapy can help because again, it's doing the same things we discussed before, right? It's going to help. It's, it's, it's going to help with angiogenesis. So it's going to help bring new blood vessels to the area. So if there's a skin wound, it's going to help heal that wound faster. Mm -hmm. So we, we talk about this decreasing fibrosis and scarring too. So in people that are getting lots of plastic surgery or even not even a lot, even just getting dermal abrasions or other types of skin procedures, your skin is going to heal faster if you get into a hyperbaric environment. Now, as you were mentioning, sometimes we want the inflammatory response, like if it's microneedling, for example, if it's dermal abrasions, if it's other kinds of things, then you want to have an inflammatory response, but then you want to help mitigate that response after a little while, just like you've had the hormetic stress of exercise yeah. or whatever it might be. So hyperbaric therapy can do all that. And in addition, we also have some evidence that hyperbaric therapy likely clears advanced glycation end products mm -hmm. as well. So AGEs that get built up in tissue and skin, we can help 
get rid of those and help um, help get those flow out of the skin where they tend to build up and cause you know wrinkles and inflammation, spots, etc. So I use hyperbaric therapy a lot in people that are going through dermatologic types of procedures for sure, and that's anything from a Mohs procedure uh, to a, another type of skin cancer kind of procedure to wound healing to collagen production. And then we can actually use various types of things to help stimulate more oxygen to get to the tissue. So when I was developing our company, it's called OneBase, which is the company that we've developed to create some of these protocols and have help people get hyperbaric chambers and help facilitate their integration of various types of modalities along with hyperbaric therapy. My idea really was like, how can you leverage this oxygen to work better, right? And this is what yeah. I've been doing in practice. And so one of the things that I've been working on with our various skin protocols is how can you bring more oxygen to your skin when you're in a hyperbaric cham chamber? And that's by stimulating the skin to have more oxygen requirements. And that could be anything from like a sauna, for example, although that's not the greatest because you don't want to be super hot in a chamber, but like a cup, like you can do dermal rolling of, of your face inside of a hyperbaric environment, for example. And like, there's like these, um, like with like the stones or something like, I can't remember the name. Yeah. Gua sha. Yeah. You know, all the, all the fancy things. And so you can use, you can, so you can also use creams as well, like, like yours to bring more oxygen and stimulate more oxygen to bring into the tissue. Like, so I know you and I have talked about bringing your hyperbaric masks, if, for example, inside of a hyperbaric chamber yeah. and see if like the one, two punch is even better than, oh, that's what it began as, right? Well, we were, we were approaching it from the earlier point that you've mentioned, which is, okay, there is an issue of older skin Cre using oxygen, oxygen and creating ATP and uh, what are the cost benefits of that for, mm -hmm. for an older individual and uh, people getting frustrated because they're not getting the uh, rejuvenation result they wanted, specific people that pushed us to, to do it. But yeah, right. for sure. Yeah. So I think, I mean, that's extremely important too. And then, but I think the idea also is that you're bringing something, putting something on the skin that's also going to increase blood flow to the mm -hmm. skin. It's also, if there's more oxygen in circulation, the oxygen, and I mentioned this earlier about our vascular system, and I didn't get into the detail, but here's a good place is that it's, it's like a highway with off ramps and on ramps and also what we call sphincters. That's also people love yeah. that word sphincters, right? So the idea, uh, <laughs> as sphincter says, what I mean, um, I was just watching Wayne's world a couple of days ago. I was on vacation. So great movie. Anybody, if you haven't uh -huh. seen it, you're missing out, uh, Wayne's world one and two, don't forget to, it's fantastic uh -huh. as well. But anyway, so we have these these sphincters that are basically get closed off. So blood flow only gets kind of trickled into tissue. But as soon as you open that up, that's where the blood flow is going to go. And that's where the oxygen is going to go. So you want to leverage that when you're in a hyperbaric environment. And this is like, this is the key for me. Like in essence, my smoke screen in, is, is hyperbaric therapy because my smoke screen is that this is what I do. This is what I specialize in. Yes, of course, I'm, I'm part of the transcriptions company too and methylene blue and all that stuff. But my clinical practice is mostly around the framework using hyperbaric therapy as this main therapy. But then I, I bring it back. I take it to the 30,000 foot view and say, if you're really trying to optimize your life, your, your longevity, your health span, your, your, your lifespan as well, and making those as close as, as you can as possible, mm -hmm. the idea is really have to build a framework for, for everybody. And to do that, you want to think about what you're doing before, during, and after a hyperbaric experience. And, and so for me, like one of the main things is always going to be blood flow. Like how am I enhancing blood flow into somebody's body or around somebody's body, especially to where, where, where I want it to go. And so you can use like localized technology, like lights to a shoulder, to a face, for example, like lights in your, on your face. And so mm -hmm. we have, you can use like light panel, like, like light, light panel before you go into the chamber. But if you have a portable device and it's, you know, low battery or low 
electricity, you can bring it into a mild unit and I'll have like a light device that you put on your face, for example, mm -hmm. um, that can help with that. And then you're increasing blood flow, mitochondrial optimization, at the same time, putting some, some, some skin products as well that are also going to go and enhance the same thing. So like you have, and then you go into the chamber, which is going to oxygenate. It's like a fantastic synergistic combination. So yeah. that's what I'm always thinking about. And that's how the, our company got developed, which is the idea of making hyperbaric therapy simple, but also giving it this breadth of understanding and more of the context of integrating it with other technologies and stuff. So. It would seem to me that also, as you mentioned, cupping also probably, I don't know if you're familiar with the trend of facial cupping, but that probably would seem to me yeah. a good combination. Absolutely. If you're any, anyway, spending a lot of time there. You can just circle, cycle between those, you know, uh, modalities. So, but if we isolate the hyperbaric and skin rejuvenation, yeah. before we get into protocols, because obviously that's very important, like we're talking about this tool, but we're not still talking about exactly how to use it. But is there benefit to just hyperbarics and skin rejuvenation? Would someone see results if they didn't do anything else, not before, not after? Yeah. I mean, it's a good question. I think if you, got, you went in a couple times, mm -hmm. probably not a lot, but I think what you'd see is if you're relatively well optimized, if you're not have, if you don't have a lot of chronic, chronic complex medical illness, I think you could see benefit after about usually about 10 to 20 sessions, you'll start seeing a difference. And that's usually you'll see your face will feel fuller. Your skin will feel a little bit tighter. Uh, you'll have more hydration. I mean, but the key really is you got to stay hydrated because yeah. the chamber can be mildly dehydrating as well. But if you're staying hydrated, at the very least, most people will likely start seeing some differences within about 10 or 20 sessions. It might be subtle depending on your skin color and, and things like that. But, but it, for most people that are using it specifically for the skin, they, they'll see some significant benefits within that time frame. If they have any acne, for example, there's some relatively good studies on, especially because hyperbaric therapy is directed against bugs that do not like high oxygen environments. And many of the bugs that will populate the skin and cause acne are bugs that do not like high oxygen environments. So typically the complexion will also get better. Um, so that's something that, that we will see as well. But in essence, right, your skin, as, as I think I've heard you say, is just a window into the rest of your body, right? In the sense of if you have a lot of skin issues, most likely it's related to things that are going on underneath the hood that need mm -hmm. to be addressed as well. So I don't like to promise that people will have miraculous recoveries, especially if they have a lot of ongoing things. But I think in the context of a good skin regimen, uh, I think otherwise trying to optimize your health and not eating shitty food every day uh, and not, you know, you're... Israeli version of, of uh, McDonald's or whatever it might be, or, or McDonald's here in the States or drinking alcohol every day, smoking cigarettes, mm -hmm. uh, not sleeping, having terribly stressful relationships, mm -hmm. yelling at your dog, you know, whatever being, it might be. Being alone. Yeah, being alone. Mm -hmm. Well, there's, there's always a saying too in meditation, being alone but never lonely is a different thing, right? So being yeah. alone and lonely are two different things. But in general, people don't have that distinction. And yes, loneliness kills people, that's for sure. But so all those things kind of matter, how much you're moving, how much you're sleeping, how much what you're eating, et cetera. So um, I don't like to think of hyperbaric th therapy in a silo unless it is only for an acute issue. Wow. So if you have an acute injury, do not pass go. Hyperbaric therapy is going to help you. Almost always, if there's an acute inflammatory cascade ongoing, we can help mitigate that. We can help stop in its tracks. You're going to feel better faster. If you've had a plastic surgery, if you have any kind of surgery, hyperbaric therapies can help you recover about 50% faster on average. Wow. Uh, and so think about it as your, your supercharged accelerator uh, for healing, especially in the acute side. But it took you X amounts of years to have all these chronic issues. 
you can't expect a hyperbaric chamber is going to fix those uh, mm-hmm. overnight or maintain those fixes. So one of the things I'll fall into sometimes uh, happening is that, and this happened more when I first started, is that people would get better, but then their symptoms would recur. Mm-hmm. And because they were doing the same things that they were doing before, they just thought that uh, that a hyperbaric therapy, or maybe they didn't think this, but this is the idea that a hyperbaric chamber wasn't there. It wasn't going to fix all the things that they were doing in their life that brought uh, brought brought about uh, the issues that were, that they had to go into the chamber for basically. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, it's hard for me to think about it in a silo other than an acute issue. Certainly, it's it's interesting because obviously we're talking about about the human body and like you know, let's say health optimization and and it really reminds me of the conversation we have with people about NAD and NAD in our products, right? Sure, uh, it doesn't exist. Like NAD, you could increase it to a young person's levels. But it doesn't work in a vacuum. If there is an inflammation associated, the skin doesn't know that it needs to, you know, repair a wrinkle. A wrinkle's not a raging pro- problem in the skin. So you could, right. yeah, you could, you know, see some benefits because cells are functioning better. But it, it does have you do need the other partner in the dance, which is directing repair to where you want it. So if there is a, an acute issue, fantastic, it's going to help it. But if not, you kind of need to communicate to the body exactly what you want. Absolutely. Directing is extremely important. So you want to bring the body's healing capacity to those particular places. So if it's your face because of wrinkles, that's where you need to bring it. So you have the cupping, you have your creams, you have a hyperbaric mask, you have the, the whatever, the, the rock, whatever it's called. Uh-huh. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. I'm not going to ever remember that. Um, maybe at some point, but um, anyway, so those are ways to stimulate the the blood flow, the healing response to go. And you could do this anywhere. Like if it's, if you've had a back injury or a hip injury or a knee injury, then you can bring like a roller in a hyperbaric chamber, or you can do some physical therapy that's specific to that particular area. Then you're main, you're bringing the whole response to that particular place. So that that's how I think about it. Yeah. Interesting. One of my favorite products and indeed the product that started it all, the first product we ever released is Care, which is an NAD boosting moisturizer. And if you haven't heard about NAD, this is the most important molecule in our body uh, and is also called the fountain of youth. So what Care does, it raises NAD levels in the skin. And not only that, it also uses enhanced resveratrol and nine other supporting ingredients providing the ultimate fuel for your skin's regenerative processes to dramatically improve deeper lines, brightness, texture, and pores, aside from being a longevity supplement for your skin, making sure that your skin is healthy, vibrant, and looks amazing for many, many years to come. So uh, give care a chance. So, you know, we are kind of going into protocols right now and, and, and how to use it. And obviously there is a distinction between soft shell or hard shell or just the amount of pressure that, the, that there is in the chamber. Right. But how does, is it one size fits all as far as the protocol? Are there different protocols for different, you know, mm-hmm. you know, and results we're trying to get? Obviously we can make a distinction between chronic and, and acute, but how do you view it? So yeah, there's lots of different distinctions that we make here. There's more neurologic protocols 
and there's more systemic protocols. That's one way we make the distinction. And that's typically the neurologic protocols are typically at milder pressures mm -hmm. and the, so like more superficial pressures. And then the systemic protocols are more deeper pressures. So usually somewhere between 1.7, 1.6 ATA and deeper is like a systemic protocol and mm -hmm. 1.3 to 1.6, 1.8 is more of a neurologic protocol. And then we make the distinction also um, so then that gives you distinction of the types of chambers. So like the exact, so chambers, typically the mild units will go to about 1.6, 1.7, mm -hmm. 1.8 sometimes. And then the, the deeper pressure chambers will go to the mild pressures, but also go to much deeper to 2.4, for yeah. example. And so then th that's one distinction. The other distinction that I make that we make is how long the protocol needs to be and how many days a week and things like that. And so typically when you're trying to make shifts in epigenetics, it's typically more intensive. So we're talking about treatments on average four to five days a week for 20 sessions or so to truly make these shifts. Mm -hmm. You can get benefit from going in three times a week for a little bit of oxygenation, a little bit of recovery, a little bit of uh, decreased inflammation, but it's not going to be a long standing kind of change mm -hmm. where you want to see that happen where you're going to see that happen is really somewhere around the 20 treatment mark in most of the studies that's where you see maximum amounts of angiogenesis so new blood vessels formed you see inflammatory markers going down the senescent cells are deplete are going down around 20 or 30 sessions in as well so for sustainable benefit after being in the chamber for like a long-term goal or condition we're really looking at the 20 treatment mark as being your sort of fulcrum in that in, in that in, in, in that analogy so the protocols that I've developed typically are like, there's a startup protocol that I've developed that typically goes to about 20 sessions. Mm -hmm. And that's your minimum effective dose to see sustainable changes after finishing your minimal effective dose of hyperbaric treatment. And so a lot of like the, there's a lot of nuances here, but in general, I, I have startup protocols that'll, that'll go to about 20. Um, if people can do them, then you have shorter protocols for things that are more acute, like muscle recovery and exercise recovery and injury recovery and uh, jet lag and immune system optimization. You can go for three, five, 10 sessions to see significant benefit using hyperbaric therapy for those kinds of protocols as mm -hmm. well. But like for things that are more longstanding, like traumatic brain injury or stroke or dementia or chronic infection, you're talking about 30, 40, sometimes up to 80 hyperbaric sessions to see wow. significant benefit depending on the need. Yeah. Yeah. And so that is what we're what we're talking about right now is kind of under the assumption that someone needs to go somewhere and get those treatment those protocols performed on them sure. but as you mentioned you have a an a soft shell an inflatable hyperbaric chamber at home i do how is the relationship with a hyperbaric that is readily available for you how does that look like as far as like a long like lifelong tool yeah, great question. So the idea really is that I think it could be a long-term optimization device, and I, but it has to be used in the context of understanding it that more oxygen isn't always a good idea mm -hmm. in the sense that the body needs breaks from the oxygen and only brain breaks from pressure. So the way I think about this is that you have protocols when you're going in Monday through Friday, four to five days a week for these protocols, but that's the, not the usual. You're doing that maybe once a year, maybe once every six months, depending on what you need. And then in the, in the, in the, in the interim times, you're using what, what I would call maintenance hyperbaric therapy. So going in there three days a week on average, maybe two days a week, if you have a chamber and using it as your maintenance device where you're pairing it with other types of technologies. If you have other technologies that you can use mm -hmm. or pairing with other types of life stressors, if those are happening, if you're stressed, if you have a test, if you're 
if your immune system is not working as well, if you're getting off an airplane and getting on an airplane, if you're hungover, we have protocols for all this on our one base app, which is my company. And so the, the idea really is that you have protocols and you have maintenance, and then you're kind of going between protocols where you're going in regularly, like daily, uh, five days a week ish, and you're going in maintenance three times a week, but then you're also taking breaks from being in the chamber too. So you're not going in all the time. Um, you're taking weeks off at a time as well when you're on maintenance phase. And so that's typically how I use it is that I use it as, and I use it for people that have chambers in their homes in this way. And we can, you can dial it in for what people need, but in general, it's going to be protocol maintenance, protocol maintenance, and then how often you're doing protocols, depending on, it really depends on what you need and, and how you're doing. So on average, I'll do a full protocol every year where I go in for like initially the protocol that I'll do is between 40 and 60 for most people if they can, but the mm -hmm. minimum is 20 and then try to have people go in 20 sessions a year, uh, one month a year when they're going in every day or five to six days a week during that time frame. So there's not a lot of data here, I should say, in the sense that there's not a lot of data for the, the long-term use of hyperbaric therapy in this capacity. Mm -hmm. But my experience, at least clinically, is that it can be very beneficial. It's especially helpful in people that, as you can imagine, have more uh, more of a hill to climb when they first get into a hyperbaric chamber and they see the benefit. Like this is, for example, somebody that had like a traumatic brain injury, for example, yeah. and they got better. And then now we know that their brain is better, but not completely resolved or not completely recovered from the injury. So they still have the the need to go. I find it, maintenance is very helpful, but they, they can maintain at that level as, a, as opposed to degenerating over time, which is going to happen after a brain injury or stroke, regardless, even if they get better, their brain is going to start regenerating or degenerating over time because the body didn't fully heal or the brain didn't fully heal initially. Got it. Listen, I, I feel we can go forever, but I am cognizant of your time. So we did cover a lot of ground here, but I think as life teaches us, as the more you know, the more you understand you don't know. So of course, first of all, where would someone educate themselves about being a consumer? That's number one. Mm -hmm. And then where would someone go to learn more about it? Obviously, you're the champion of that. So so I'd love for you to really sure. You know, make sure people understand where they take it from here. Yeah. So my company that we developed, that I developed a couple of years ago, is called One Base Health. You can find them at onebasehealth.com. Mm -hmm. And One Base Health, the idea was to become like one base for human optimization over time. But the idea right now is it's focused significantly on hyperbaric therapy. So you can find a lot about the chambers themselves there and about the various technologies that we're developing to help integrate with hyperbaric therapy. I think uh, one of the places to also go for additional information uh, outside of the chambers is uh, I've done lots of podcasts over the years, as you yeah. know, uh, Amite. So I'm happy to, people can just Google my name and find a lot of information about hyperbaric therapy, the things I've described. We actually did a lot of really great work in this podcast, giving a pretty good breadth of understanding of what the chambers can do, but truly they're just, they're human optimizers is what it comes down to and healers and accelerators of healing and mm -hmm. recovery. So it's not if hyperbaric therapy would be helpful, it's when is what I typically say in the sense that I think everybody can benefit. I think over time, my hope is that become they become like Peloton bikes in the mm -hmm. sense that everybody has one in their chamber, they're using them regularly and that that's how they think about them because we all live in a toxic environment with toxic exposures on a daily basis. This is why we need methylene blue. This is why we need hyperbaric therapy. This is why we need skin creams, right? We're not living outside in the sun and nature and rubbing ourselves with mud and, and having our good you know, skin microbiota because we're not showering all the time with shitty uh -huh. products. And so we have to use products and technologies to help us recover and optimize. And so 
So anyway, you can find a lot about uh, what, about the chambers, the mild units, especially in some of the hard chambers at One Base Health, with some information there. And then they also add on their Instagram, our Instagram page at One Base Health as well. My Instagram ha- Instagram has some information as well. Your people can go there. I'm not as prolific as others because Chelsea doesn't run my Instagram like others. <laughs> Hi, Chelsea. Um, and um, you know, shout out to Moxie Media Podcast, right? Hey, exactly. Um, and then. I also do consulting. I think that's the last piece is that I consult with people all over the world. I, I consult with clinics all over the world on how to optimize hyperbaric protocols. And this can be a clinic that is just thinking about getting hyperbaric therapy and wants to add it to their particular uh, armamentarium of things that they are offering. It can also be an individual that's looking to what, figure out what a hyperbaric protocol w- would be best for them or their family members. So I speak to people that have end-stage cancer. I have people that are athletes. I have everybody in between. And I work with people all over the world, everywhere you can imagine, I think, except for maybe North Korea. I don't think I've spoken to anybody there. But most places in, in most countries- There's only one guy to. that can-, can <laughs> There's only one guy, the Supreme Leader, that has his own chamber there. Uh, well, he must be using something. He has fantastic hair. So, And he's got good skin too, doesn't he? Like he's got well, like good plump yeah, That's because skin. he's fat. He's because he's fat. That's why. All that estrogen, probably. Yeah, good point. Yes. <laughs> he, he probably does have a lot of estrogen. Listen, Dr. Scott Sher, you are one of my favorite people on and off air. I look forward to our continued friendship. I super appreciate the time that you uh, that you gave us here. So everything is going to be in the show notes uh, and some stuff that we probably did not mention. Everything is going to be there. Uh, along the fact that this is going to be parceled. So someone, if they, if they want to go back and listen to something specific, they could do that. But yeah, thank you so, so much. And we need to see, uh, we need to see when the next time we're meeting and, and, and do maybe a follow-up conversation about it. Yeah, no, I want to be your first trifecta on your podcast, man. Let's you know, go, let's go. The first doubleheader. But yeah, it's been really great to be here, Amite. Thanks. And uh, one thing I should mention about One Base Health that I forgot to say is that mm-hmm. I'm really proud of this company. I think that you know, the idea really is to create a service-focused company that really can help people, you know, soup to nuts in the sense of their full hyperbaric experience, not only get the chambers, but, you know, fully work with them. We have an app I was developed, I was mentioning earlier that has protocols built in, that has service built in, and that really has a nice ecosystem for people. And we have some great new technologies that are coming in with the chambers too. Um, and some free consultations with me, if, if I think as well, or some of our, be, our experts. To yeah. be frank, um, I, I'm, I'm going to reach out to you after this podcast and, and figure out how we get a hyperbaric here. So let's do it. Sure. All right. Yeah. All right, man. Thanks so much oh, for having thank me. You so I appreciate much. it. Take care.